Back to throw, looking, deep padded, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins' official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How is it going, everybody? It is Tuesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it is, in fact, Tuesday. That means all 22 review, a deep dive into the numbers. We'll hear from coordinators and coaches Plus, we have a contract extension for Zach Sealer. All of that and more on this Tuesday, November the 17th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation, where Dolphins fans can sell their vehicle for cash now. Visit AutoNation.com. Couple of news items to get to here on this Tuesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Up first, the Dolphins announced on Monday that they have waived running back Jordan Howard. And we also have a contract extension to get to here with Zach Sealer, who, of course, was picked up last December, December the 9th. He knew that date right on the money when I asked him about it. We'll play that audio here in just one second. Picked up off waivers, played a few games for the Dolphins down the stretch. Starts off this year with a kind of a part-time snap count workload. Works his way into a full-time player. He led all interior Dolphins defensive linemen with snaps in the game on Sunday. And now he has a contract extension through the 2023 season. Let's go ahead and hear from Zach on what the extension means to him on his Monday press conference. Um, this just shows the organization just to have faith in me, and I just want to go out there each week and play my best, and uh, it just shows I, just how good, um, how happy I am with, uh, shoot, I'm sorry, it was a blow on my phone, I'm trying to swipe everything out of the way. Um, no, it's, it's exciting. This organization's great. Um, top down, Mr. Ross, Mr. Greer, Coach Flores, Boyer, everybody, all the D-line coaches. Um, so to be able to be here and grow with them as a team and uh, continue this culture that we're starting to build um, is very exciting for me, and I'm very happy to be a part of that. And you heard him talk there about his phone getting blown up. I have to imagine you get plenty of texts from friends and family when that news comes across the wire. So good for him for sticking through that answer and taking – getting out of the distractions rather and giving us a great answer. Let's go back to Zach right here real quick. I asked him the question about the journey of the last year for him going from being waived in December, claimed by the Dolphins quickly after there, and then getting that one-year extension in the offseason to be back here in 2020 and now playing his way into a three-year extension. Here's Zach on the past year of his life. Um, You know, so obviously last year was my second year in the NFL. I was with the Ravens both those years. Um, I kind of I grew as a player there, um, and then obviously I was cut December or claimed here on December 9th, um, and they really the uh, Dolphins, the coaching, and just the staff and everyone kind of gave me an opportunity to really take my game to that next level and start to grow. Um, Coach Hobby, Coach Clark, Coach Robbie, and Kajak now who's here, uh, they all have just helped me just grow my game and. Um, just learn as a player is just how to become effective and boy, you're explaining stuff to me and helping me kind of realize, Hey, what kind of role we need you to be and me just fully and like fully taking that and learning from what he's saying, how to make the most out of that, if that makes sense. Um, and just having this off season to have, you know, even though it was tough with COVID, uh, that was obviously a big hurdle for everybody, but, uh, 
to make the most out of what we were given with the COVID laws and restrictions and just keep growing as a player and maybe even use that to my uh, advantage. So there you go. Zach Sealer talking about his extension through 2023. This is a guy that we highlighted a lot last season when I was with Locked On Dolphins as a big-time performer down the stretch in December. He's been continuing that into 2020 and earns a contract extension as a result. Let's go ahead and get to the regular Tuesday programming here and first start with Dolphins team rankings, offensive and defense, starting with the offensive side of the football. Dolphins are scoring 27.9 points per game. That is ninth in the NFL. 318.1 yards per game is 29th. The 98.7 rushing yards is 28th. And the 219.4 passing yards per game is 26th in the NFL. The Dolphins have a 38.5% third down conversion rate. That is 28th also in the league. And they've allowed 14 sacks, which is tied for the 10th fewest sacks in the NFL. On defense... The Dolphins are fifth in scoring, allowing just 20.2 points per game. The 371.9 yards allowed per game is 19th. 128.1 yards on the ground per game is 22nd, passing 243.8 per game. That's 19th in the NFL. And here's where they get you. Third down defense, 33.9% conversion rate for their opponents. That's third in the National Football League. 22 sacks is tied for 10th and 15 takeaways is tied for four. So aggressive Dolphins defense getting the job done on third down. We saw it on Sunday against the Chargers. Four out of 13 on third down for the Chargers. Plenty of those amoeba looks. We'll talk about more of that here in the film review on the All-22 in just one second. But first, and we transition now into the individual numbers from this from this game, from this season for the Miami Dolphins. And we start with special teams here. And Jakeem Grant still leads the NFL with 294 punt return yards. That's actually 84 more than the second place guy in Ray Ray McLeod of the Pittsburgh Steelers for 210 yards. Matt Hawk has eighth in net punting average with 42.9 yards per punt. 17 punts downed inside the 20-yard line is fifth most in the National Football League. The Dolphins are ranked second on football outsiders in DVOA for special teams only behind the Baltimore Ravens and Jason Sanders although he did have his field goal streak snapped picked it right back up made his last kick of the day three for four on the game he is now 20 for 21 this season that's tied for the third most makes in the NFL this season the penalty rankings the Dolphins have 41 fouls committed this year that's the fourth fewest in the NFL and the 340 yards assessed against them is the sixth fewest in the NFL Let's talk about some snap counts on the offensive side. And there's a note I want to go ahead and just make in here. We'll go through the, the snap counts first, but I'll make a note at the end. Quarterback Tua Tungavailoa and the five starting offensive linemen all played all 58 snaps. They also brought Julian Davenport on for five snaps and Robert Hunt into the game for two snaps as well. At running back, Savon Ahmed, 44 snaps, good for 76% of the workload. Patrick Laird sees 10 snaps and DeAndre Washington in his debut for the Dolphins gets four reps. Receiver Devontae Parker, 53 snaps. That's 91%. Jakeem Grant plays 44 reps. Malcolm Perry has 23. Matt Hollins has 11. So that's it for your receivers right there. Parker, Grant, Perry, and Hollins. And Perry played 40%. Hollins played 19%. At tight end, Durham Smythe led the way with 39 snaps. That's good for 67%. Mike Gesicki was out there for 28 snaps, Adam Shaheen for 22, and Chris Meyerick in his NFL debut plays five snaps. The point I want to make here is we heard Coach Flores talk about it last week. I talked about it on the recap show Sunday night, how I thought that the Dolphins, one of the storylines I was looking for with the Dolphins was how would they replace the reps of Preston Williams? How would they evolve the offense to kind of make up for his absence? Well, there you have it. Flores talked about it, and we saw the proof. They go through running backs, tight ends, different receiver options into the game, different groupings, 
Just finding a way to highlight the strengths of the roster you have available to you has been the moniker for this team since the start, and they're showing it to you on the offensive side of the football. Some stats from the offensive side. Quarterback Tua Tagovailoa continued his hot streak against the Blitz. The Chargers brought extra rushers only seven times, but Tua was five out of seven for 59 yards and a score against the Blitz. Three of his five touchdown passes this season have come against the Blitz. He's also one of only three quarterbacks in Dolphins history and the only rookie to win each of his first three regular season starts with the team, joining Earl Morrill, nine consecutive wins back in 72, and Damon Heward, who won three games in 1999. Running back Savon Ahmed's 86 rushing yards were the second most in a game by a Miami Dolphin this year. He rushed for four yards per carry, picked up five first downs, and had 54 of those 86 yards came after initial contact. That's good for 2.57 yards after contact per run. Wide receiver Jakeem Grant, super efficient, had punt returns of 21, 19, 18 yards, but he also caught four of his five targets for 43 yards and his first receiving touchdown of the season. Grant was one of three receivers that had a 118.8 passer rating to their, or on their targets rather, or better. He, Durham Smythe, and Adam Shaheen all satisfied that criteria. And since week eight, when Tonga Vailoa became the starting quarterback, the Dolphins have allowed 15 quarterback pressures. Sunday, Miami allowed just six, and no player had more than two pressures per pro football focus. Guards Eric Flowers and Solomon Kinley allowed zero pressures, clean sheet on the day, and Ted Karras had just one. Both tackles gave up two pressures, but no hits on the quarterback. All four from Austin Jackson and Jesse Davis were hurries on Tonga Vailoa. Back to the inside, Kinley and Flowers have passed blocking efficiency ratings of 98.1 and 98.2 this season. Only 16 guards in the NFL per PFF have better PBE ratings, and Ted Karras at an even 99.0 is tied for seventh among centers, all of this with minimum 100 pass blocking snaps. So the pass protection up front for Tua, him getting the football out quickly, has paid dividends for this Dolphins offense. On the defensive side, I'll make a note here about the snap counts as well. Zach Sealer leads all interior defensive linemen, 52 snaps. That's 83% of the workload. Raekwon Davis plays 36. That's 57%. Benito Jones, 11 snaps in the game. And those three guys, Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, Benito Jones, you come into the season knowing that Devon Godchow played 717 snaps last season and Christian Wilkins played 729 snaps. So almost 1,500 snaps among those two. Both those guys not available in this game, obviously, with Godshaw on the injured reserve and Christian Wilkins on COVID IR for the game. Both those guys not available. It just didn't matter for the Dolphins' defense. They were still productive with Sealer, Raekwon Davis, and Benito Jones. On the defensive end position, Emmanuel Ogba leads the way with 52 snaps. That, again, is 83%. Shaq Lawson played 45. Then Jason Strobridge had 12 snaps. So just six defensive linemen with snaps in the game. Andrew Van Ginkle, Jerome Baker, Kyle Van Noy, and Elandon Roberts. 39, 38, 38, and 37. Pretty much an even distribution of snaps among those four linebackers. Kamu Gruje-Hill played two snaps. Sam McGuavin played one snap in the game. And in the defensive backfield, snaps to go around as both Byron Jones and Xavier Howard played 60 snaps. That was 95% of the defensive workload. Same was true of Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe. They too played 60 snaps in the game. Nick Needham had 49 reps. Jamal Perry played three Brandon Jones had 26 snaps in the game. That's 41% of the reps. Kayvon Frazier played seven, and Clayton Fedulin played five snaps 
in this game. So plenty of heavy defensive back looks. We talked about the mixed coverage on the podcast on Sunday with all those different looks, forcing Herbert to both deal with the pressure, but also forcing him at times to play quarterback and identify which rushers are coming, which ones are backing out, finding out which coverage the Dolphins defense was in, and that limited Herbert to his lowest output and passer rating, yardage, and yards per attempt in his career so far in this game by this Miami Dolphins defense. And a big part of that, defensive end Emmanuel Ogbaugh once again leads the way with six quarterback pressures. He recorded a sack for the sixth straight game, of course tied for the second longest streak in Dolphins history. He's tied for fourth in the NFL with eight sacks and tied for third among all edge defenders with his 40 quarterback pressures. He's also tied for the lead at that position with four passes batted down and he also has 17 run stops. That's tied for 16th among all edge defenders. This guy has been a monster all year long. His counterpart, Shaq Lawson, two more quarterback pressures, two more run stops. Kyle Van Noy had three pressures. Andrew Van Ginkle had one, had a run stop, and of course the big blocked punt. Raekwon Davis, I talked about his penetration. Seven total tackles in this game with three coming as run stops within two yards of the line. And Zach Sealer had three run stops in this game on his own right. In the secondary, Xavier Howard has his fifth interception of the year, second best in the NFL. He has allowed just 28 receiving yards in this game on seven targets, a meager four yards per pass target. He also had a pass breakup and a run stop and three total tackles. Among 50 cornerbacks with at least 40 targets this year, Howard is third in the NFL with a 62.3 passer rating allowed. And cornerback Byron Jones also allowed only four catches on seven targets and a passer rating of just 80.7 going after him. He also picked up a second PBU of the season. Cornerback Nick Needham went up against Keenan Allen a lot in this game and Allen entered play with 62 catches, second most in the NFL and the Dolphins held him to 39 yards on six targets. He caught one of three passes on Needham for just 11 yards in the game and safeties Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain combined to surrender just 11 receiving yards on three combined pass targets. They also made eight tackles with no missed tackle attempts in the game and rookie safety Brandon Jones had two quarterback pressures and five combined tackles. One of those for a run stop. So more good performances, Dolphins players climbing up the leaderboards, getting the stats in there as well. And with that, we don't care as much about the stats as we do the all 22. So we turn this thing over now to the offensive side of the Dolphins all 22 review here for week 10, 29-21 win over the Chargers. And we start with the pump block. And really the thing that makes me most excited about this is how many players contributed on that specific play and then on the following play with the Dolphins touchdown run from Savon Ahmed on the first offensive play of the game. But on the pump block, you've got Jamal Perry outside as one of the jammers. I think you call that the guy that prevents the gunner from going down the field and Noah Ibnogany in the middle of the field and they swap at the start of the snap and really change their place in the formation. Then you get Durham Smythe over the left guard and he sets a pick of sorts that forces Andrew Van Ginkle's man to help inside, which then gives Van Ginkle just a little bit of a crease and that's all he needed to get through. It also is helped created by a good rush from Patrick Laird and then Jamal Perry coming off the edge on that little swap blitz that he comes after the punter with there. And Van Ginkle does such a good job of running through contact and getting the straight line on the punter, not getting thrown off balance by that block awesome, awesome team football. And they pick it right back up with the next play on offense as we transition here into Chan Gailey slash the offensive plan and the one yard touchdown run. You get Solomon Kinley at fullback. And my favorite part of these first two plays is about 
using the entire 53-man roster. You bring Julian Davenport and Robert Hunt into the game, and they both hit key blocks. Hunt, a good backside cut block, and Davenport opens a huge hole with a down block on the play side of the formation. Austin Jackson gets a good push. Ted Karras gets to the second level. Jesse Davis hits a reach block, and Eric Flowers pulls and seals all in front of Solomon Kinley with a lead block in the gap for a perfect knockout and a touchdown on the first play of the game. The Jakeem Grant touchdown, more offensive design here. You've got trips to the field side of the formation, to the wide side of the formation, and Jakeem is the three, the inside man, and Malcolm Perry is the point, the guy up on the line, and their combination really puts this Chargers defense, and more in particular, number 37, in some conflict. He sees Perry take the speed out route right away, and his eyes kind of fall out to the outside as he looks to pass that off to the widest cornerback outside. And then Jakeem shows a route to the flag, but he puts his foot in the ground, turns back to the quarterback and sets that thing down. And by the time 37 can react to all this, the football's right there on Jakeem between the one and the nine for six and solid pass protection all around. Good schemed up touchdown there and good execution by the players. On the opening play of the next drive, I thought was another really cool play design. They show the same 13 look 13 personnel with all three tight ends to the field side of the formation. And the first play of the game, Tua finds Gesicki on a corner route from this exact same look. But this time, instead of going out to the corner, Gesicki fakes like he's in pass protection. They bring Parker over from the other side of the formation once again for a crossing route. And then Gesicki, after a couple of fake steps inside, picks up the pass pro. He then leaks out to the opposite side of the formation, and it's there for a 16 or 17 yard or so gain. We just couldn't quite finish off the play, but really cool build off a previous look to get a guy open downfield like that. And this time it was Jesse Davis alone in pass protection up against Yuchenna Nuosu with the line kind of sliding to the left side of the formation and him one-on-one on an island, and he got that job done. That was a theme throughout this game, guys hitting good blocks both in pass pro and in the run blocking game. Another play that I was a big fan of was the shovel pass inside on a third and two. It picked up seven yards and a first down on the doorstep of the red zone to Durham Smythe. You go Jakeem Grant across the formation and fly motion. And just as the edge on an earlier Savon Ahmed run, they close down that edge on Tua. And this is where you really understand how enough athletic ability to make plays with the legs of the quarterback. You understand how that really can help influence the defense? That, along with the false step of a linebacker at the second level, because of that fly motion, creates just enough of a lane for Smythe to sneak inside for seven yards and get that first down. And we're on the start of the second quarter, and we've already got a handful of schemed schemed wins on this particular game. Durham Smythe talked about it in his Monday press conference about the red zone execution and his touchdown, how they schemed him up wide open. More of them here in this game. Also on that play, Austin Jackson had a key down block and Solomon Kinley a big pull from the backside to help create space inside there for Durham Smythe. And we finish off the offensive portion of the review here with how it started. The Durham Smythe touchdown at the end of the game. It's the same formation as earlier on the Savon Ahmed touchdown. This time, Kinley is in the backfield as an offset eye the first time he's in the eye formation. It's the same package, eight offensive line, two tight ends, one running back. And this time, Smythe motions across the formation and then works back to the original part of the formation where previously he had thrown a down block and the entire Chargers defense loses sight of him a room service touchdown there. Again, good job by Chan Gailey getting these open plays put in the playbook. Tua Tungavailoa's performance, the first pass of the game, we talk about that 13 personnel look where the Dolphins built off of that. 
Same look here, 13 personnel. Tua gets the free edge, and he's got Parker coming across the formation backside with Savan Ahmed in the flat, but both are completely covered. And Gasicki here pushing up for the cornerback who has got outside leverage, a tough ask to get to the corner with outside leverage. And this is where I love where Gasicki's game has grown over the years. He fights through two reroute attempts there of that that corner and the linebacker there to attempt to get to that spot. And Tua just throws an absolute seed. It's between the eights on the jersey and perfect stride for a big gainer. And also on that play, Adam Shaheen did well in one-on-one to hold up on the edge in pass protection to help give Tua that free edge. Later in the game for Tungavailoa on the second touchdown, his first of the game, after Grant's broken tackle play, Melvin Ingram wins quickly and has a beeline right at Tua. Tua throws a ball fake and sidesteps out of that pressure from Ingram, and he winds up fleeing and gaining just a yard to make it second down and nine. But you know what second down and nine is much better than? Second down and 19, because Ingram had him dead to rights, nine yards behind the line. Enough little wiggle and twitch there to get off the spot and make enough play to save you and keep you on schedule for the next down. And then the effort he had on the failed exchange between he and Ted Karras was just so damn cool to watch him run down and chase that guy down, Nick Vigil, and get him to the ground. The last note here on Tua, and we'll get more as we go through these notes here, the incompletion to Jakeem after he slips out of a Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Tillery sack the one in the corner of the end zone that probably would have been on highlight reels all week long if the Dolphins would have hit it. He comes free pretty quickly, does Jerry Tillery, and Tua ducks out, and Jakeem does so well to read that and come back to his quarterback and get to space outside. I would bet they hit that play next time because I think both those guys had an opportunity and the ball just didn't quite get there, but it was a good-looking setup, just couldn't quite finish it off. More meat on the bone, I think, for this offense. We'll discuss that here in just one second. Jakeem Grant, his first catch, he's to the boundary side of the formation, one-on-one with a a cornerback out there, and there's a middle-of-the-field safety who starts to cheat his way, even as that cornerback is playing 10 yards off with a cushion at the snap. He continues to get more depth because Jakeem's speed just puts that stress on your defense, and he did it in this game consistently. The cornerback plays off, gives him that cushion, and he just slams on the brakes and breaks out to the perimeter for a standard out route, you know, a 10-12 yard metric there, and the football, or landmark there, I should say, and the football ball meets him right at the sideline in a place where no harm can be done. An inside throw there, right, is dangerous. You miss that throw inside, you got a chance to go back for six, but just gorgeous timing with the location and the rhythm and the timing between those two guys. A great accurate throw and a great route from Jakeem Grant. The next one where he did break the tackles I referenced earlier was the same route as the play that sets up the Jason Sanders game winner last week against the Cardinals. He is the one receiver to the field, which means the furthest split out receiver. He runs a nine yard dig route coming in. And this time he steps out of the tackle and gets six more yards for the first down. And you see Tua's hands start to separate off the football just as Jakeem is sinking his hips into that break. And on the play, Jesse Davis has a really nice run of the arc where Tillery gets good good push and tries to win the hand fight off the outside, but he just runs him right around that arc. And then Austin Jackson on the other side locks up Melvin Ingram in space. That's a rep where you love to see from Melvin Ingram because they slide their protection the other way. He's one-on-one on on an island with Melvin Ingram, and he does have help from a chip from from Savan Ahmed on that play, but Ahmed sees big 73 with it handled, so he pretty quickly gets into the pattern, but a nice anchor on a bull rush there from Austin Jackson. And then to finish up Jakeem's individual notes here, we finish off with the drive starter right after the Xavier Howard interception. It's another out route, same look, route, accuracy, timing, and another Miami Dolphins first down. So Jakeem Grant, big, big game on Sunday. We talked about the offensive line there in some spots, and Eric Flowers just want to give an overall mention to the way he played in this game. 
moving guys off the football, staying engaged on blocks five yards down the field to the whistle, got some pancakes in there. He's just so strong in the upper body, and he really just has a way of engulfing guys at the point of attack. You see his size stand out, not just in how thick he's built, but how tall he is. You see the build of an offensive tackle as he played the first few years of his career in the National Football League inside. On the opening drive of the second quarter, he's got a down block where he wipes a dude out. On Savan Ahmed's second 18-yard pop, he gets a hell of a block at the point of attack and a double team with Ted Karras that that helps open up that hole. And on that play as well, Austin Jackson seals off Melvin Ingram and and Ahmed presses it inside and forces a linebacker to take one step up into the formation. And that was all he needed to get out the backside. And finally on Ahmed's 11-yard rip, uh, Eric Flowers wipes out Justin Jones one-on-one at the point of attack in that one. And also Austin Jackson, really good down block on that play. Good game out of the left side of the offensive line, especially in the running game. Back to Savon Ahmed, the first 18-yarder. Two defenders, again, closed down on Tua on that read option play. And that just helps the general running game as you take a defender out of the equation. On that play, Durham Smythe dents the edge along with Austin Jackson. It's a big hole, and you see Ahmed's vision and change of direction to quickly get to the backside of that play. Both him and Miles Gaskin are both very smooth in that department up at the University of Washington and now into the pros. Uh, The tight end position, Adam Shaheen. We talked a little bit about Durham Smythe a little bit, but I thought they both had a good pass protection rep where they double teamed Melvin Ingram when the Dolphins were in 13 personnel. It's nice when you can take out their best pass rusher with tight ends, even if it is two of them there. And then Durham Smythe, a couple of good notes on him. Later, he gets a good one-on-one block against Uchenna Nwosu, where he stays stuck on that block, glued to that block for the whole play on a six-yard Savon Ahmed run. And then before his touchdown, two plays earlier, he seals off Melvin Ingram for another nice six-yard run for Savon Ahmed. Back to the offensive line, Ted Karras. I just love the way he gets the second level. They run a little inside screen to Ahmed down around the goal line, and he gets up to that second level and hits a block. You don't got to do much. Just get in the way. A lot of times can have a big impact on those plays. He had a hell of a block where he hits a catch and climb on a Savon Ahmed run on the second touchdown drive of the game for the Dolphins, where he puts Eric Flowers' man on his back when he comes up and chips him, and then he gets to the second level and seals it. I just wrote down, all right, Ted, nice play right there. Also on that play, Solomon Kinley stayed glued to his block through the entirety of the play. Out wide at receiver, Devontae Parker. The overturned touchdown reception was such a downright dirty catch. And I think we'll we'll see that more in the future, giving him more chances to go up and make plays as we did later in the game. But in the red zone in particular, he's going to make that catch a lot of times down there. So I like my odds with Devontae Parker on that ball. And the 50-50 ball he did come down with was just him doing what he does. He's not open, but he just goes up and gets the football. A great job there by Tua to pick the football up off the ground and nowhere to go where he can get it out of his hands with pressure bearing down and not to mention losing a second because of the the, the ground ball and the snap. A near disaster, but he helps save it and gets a big play downfield to Devontae Parker. The very next play, he and Tua hook up on a little curl route inside. I just put down, it was a nice timing rip between the two, Parker and Tungabailoa. Malcolm Perry, how about that run? Looking like he's going to lose five or six yards. It looked just like his Navy tape. Ken Niamatololo, the head coach there, told me on the podcast over the summer, he's the best pure runner he's ever coached. 
And that's why right there. What a clever run from Malcolm Perry. And you see it again on his first reception of the game. Squares up a defender in the open field. And that's just not a fair fight. He's going to win that all the time. Picks up six yards of yak and a first down. And Patrick Laird had a nice 17-yard rip where he has a nice little stutter step in the hole and then right out the shoot. Good play. Again, all 53 getting the job done. And I watch this offense. And in general, I just think, man, there's, there's some more meat on the bone there. Obviously, always room for improvement, but I think the meat is there, and I'm sure these guys are going to be hungry to go ahead and try to get more of that in the offense and get even more production from this team. And Ted Karras said he felt this was the best run-blocking game they've had this year, and I think he's absolutely right about that. Good work from the crew up front, not to mention just five quarterback pressures from the offensive line. So good tape there. Speaking of good tape, the Dolphins' defense played well again in this game, allowing just 21 points to the Chargers. And this statement might be kind of like trying to choose between which of your kids is your favorite because there have been so many good ones this year. But I think this was my favorite defensive tape of the season. Josh Boyer and that defensive plan. Man, we talked about mixing it up on the Sunday night podcast, and I didn't realize how much of that there was until going over the tape here. But the first sack right away off the top comes with Raekwon on the nose and both Zach Sealer and Emmanuel Ogba's three techniques. That's the position right on the outside shoulder of either guard. And you've got the Van Bros, Gink and Van Noy both out wide in two-point stances, and Van Noy wins inside immediately, which forces the back to step up and help Brian Balaga, and that leaves nobody there to take Emmanuel Ogba, who also, from that three-tech position, wins quickly inside, and so Herbert has to get out of dodge because there's two guys in his face, and right when he works out to his right, the Dolphins blitz that part of the field with Nick Needham. What a hell of a call and execution. Five wind up coming, and they are long routes by the Chargers down the field. This deep passing attack never had a chance to develop. Dolphins blitz it up well and get the sack on Herbert. Great call. On the next drive, they mug up two linebackers, walk them up into the A-gaps off either side of the center, and show a pressure look. Only bring four, and the Chargers go max protect with only two men out into the route, into the pattern, and, and Herbert scrambles for seven yards on the play. But I mean, that's what you want. You want to make them think they've got to go max protect when the pressure didn't actually come, only four guys rush. They get off the field on that same drive with a zero look and seven guys come this time. Throw goes high. Miami gets the stop. It's an amoeba look. Nobody with their hand in the dirt. Seven guys down in the box and it's all five safeties on the field in McCain, Rowe, Brandon Jones, Clayton Fedulum, and Kayvon Frazier. Ogba and Lawson are in the game and Van Ginkle are the only non-DBs in the field. Eight defensive backs on the field for that play. Love to see it. The third and goal at the one-yard line. They got a stop on that play right before the Herbert sneak for a touchdown. I thought that was cool, too. Dolphins bring all the big guys onto the field. Ogba, Sealer, Raekwon, Benito Jones, Jason Strobridge, and Shaq Lawson. Nobody over the nose. They've got three guys to either side with the center kept clean, and he goes to chip Benito Jones, who's off of his outside shoulder, and Roberts flies in there past him and meets Raekwon and Shaq, who both won their matchups for the stop for no gain. Later on, they go too high look and just didn't really give the Chargers many chances to throw the football over the top. They mixed that in throughout the course of the game with those pressure looks, and it was just a great plan to force him to stay in there and try to make plays from the pocket against coverage. And this was a big play offense coming in, right? We talked about it 
all week long. Their big plays came when Justin Herbert in this game took the check down passes and good on him for doing that, taking what the defense gave him a few times, but the guys rallied up and tackled after gains of like eight or nine, sometimes 15 or 16 yards. But that's a lot better than the 40 plus yard plays LA had been getting every single week coming into this game. Their biggest play was 28 yards and that came on that late touchdown drive when the game was two scores difference between Miami and Los Angeles. Prior to that, 17 yards to Hunter Henry. The cherry on top of this game was the third down after the Smythe touchdown. Another amoeba look. Nobody's got their hands in the dirt. There's eight defensive backs onto the field. Eight come and bring pressure. It leaves X, Needham, and Byron Jones all alone to cover the three routes. And Clayton Fedulum comes clean this time and gets to Herbert. And the pass doesn't even have enough juice on it because he has to throw off his back foot while getting hit. And it falls harmlessly incomplete to get Miami's offense the football back up by 12 points in the fourth quarter. I had to do math in my head there. Some individual notes. Brandon Jones, very first play of the game. He has to key Herbert on the zone read look there where he can keep it or give it to the running back. He closes down the backside and makes a tackle for three yards. Great quickness and start-stop acceleration. Emmanuel Ogba, man, this guy. The versatility, different positions, different packages. He's in most of them. The length, the attention that he garners and the way teams block and scheme for him. And then he finally pays you off after all that work they do to stop him with the big play and the sack. Oh boy, the call and execution on this play. They throw a tight end on him out there on second and 12 in a critical juncture of the game. Up by six, Chargers at their own 45-yard line. Miami's got Sealer, Lawson, and Ogba, and then Van Noy and Baker and then the dime defense on the field with both Brandon Jones and Nick Needham on the field joining your regular four defensive backs. Rowe is inside of Ogba off the edge, and you've got Ogba in this two-point stance. And right before the snap, Rowe backs out, Ogba puts his hand in the dirt, and it creates that matchup with a tight end, and he just tosses him right out of the stadium. The running back comes over to pick it up, but Ogba redirects underneath and gets the sack. It's an outstanding call and execution. You wind up getting a four-man pressure after showing eight, both safeties back out, and that creates a tight end matched up one-on-one with Ogba. That's the matchup you want, and we know how that story goes. Some Zach Sealer notes, grown man. I write that every single week. First note, he locks out the tackle trying to cross his face, just long arms long arms him, holds him up at the three technique, holds him there and gets off the block for the tackle. Later, he kicks inside at the one technique and knocks the guard right back into the backfield. It forces Kalen Balazs to bubble. He is so damn strong. He starts the very next series with a two-yard tackle for loss by just disposing of blockers en route to the back. Then he damn near blew up LA's fourth and one conversion on their first touchdown drive. He stands up the guard and knifes in for a hit behind the line, but Balazs falls forward just enough to get the yard they needed. Also inside, Raekwon Davis, he had a really good game sliding off blocks. There was a three-yard run from Josh Kelly where he just tosses the guard out of the club and makes the stop. He did it again later in the game on a third and two stop before LA converted that fourth down on that first touchdown drive. Nick Needham, he had the sack earlier in the game, but to me, his best play was the second down and 12 pass breakup on Keenan Allen. He goes up and challenges Allen right at the line of scrimmage, really slows him down with a good reroute, but then undercuts the over route as he goes across the formation and he gets a hand on it. Nicely done to break up that pass on one of the game's best receivers. Byron Jones, really good game in this one, I thought. Open field tackle on Jalen Guyton on third and 12 after a nine yard gain. There is nobody out there and he makes not just a tackle in general he gets him down short of the sticks 
ran around a pick to boot and made it happen. A big, big time run and chase play there. The track speed of Byron Jones on tape. On a second down and completion play, he and Eric Rowe work one side of the field kind of in tandem, a two-man cover two type of look, and he takes a bluff step forward, and Herbert goes to throw the corner right in behind him, but he falls off and disrupts the lane, a savvy veteran move. Later, did a great job getting depth on another zero look with only three cornerbacks back to help, no safety help over the top. They tried to go to Mike Williams deep, but he was on top of the play and forces the incompletion. Elandon Roberts, I'm having so much fun watching this guy lately. He squared up and did this little jump cut around the center who was trying to work to the second level to get a block on him. He goes around the block and gets a tackle for two yards. Awesome block defeating, really his forte, but usually it's with physicality. This guy is a car crash in a can I wrote down here. After the touchdown and to make it 26-14, he blows up the Chargers' first running play by running through a block and getting a big hit on Kalen Balage. Xavier Howard, coach talked about his tackling at his Monday press conference and he made a great open field stop on Jalen Guyton on the Chargers' first touchdown drive to help get Miami into a third down situation for a chance to get off the field on that particular series. On his interception, third and 12, Miami goes back to the amoeba look. Nobody's got their hand down in the dirt. Everybody's showing pressure in different gaps, jumping around. They show seven, they bring four, and there's Howard, Byron Jones, and Bobby McCain all have a deep third of the field, and Howard's just reading Herbert the whole way. He jumps the throw, steps right in front of Mike Williams. Another great call, more execution. Man, this is a fun tape. Eric Rowe, more open field tackling as usual, so sound in that area. His awareness to understand how to key the quarterback when he flees the pocket, but also stay in the passing lane and honor the quarterback's ability to run. He plays so smart and so fast, a really nice combination that gives you a damn good player. Andrew Van Ginkle had a big-time pass rush win on a third and 10 play where he dipped under the tackle and was able to corner and hit Herbert as he threw. Really good bend and cornering on display there from Andrew Van Ginkle. Jerome Baker had a couple of nice fills to close down some running plays as he does weekly. Benito Jones had a big tackle for loss on a second and two play in the third quarter where he gets instant knockback and shows you some of the power he had back in college last season. Sealer holds up a big-time double team at the point of attack, and Shaq wins off the edge for a negative play. And then later in the game, Benito sets up Strobridge with a nice pick, and Strobridge does a nice little lateral step there, nice lateral quickness to nose in for a tackle for loss. So everybody on this roster checking in, making plays, great defensive game plan, good schemed-up plays and offense to create points as well, more special teams production. What a fun tape. Dolphins win again, fifth in a row, 29-21 over the Chargers. Let's go ahead and finish up this podcast with some coordinators and assistant coaches media from Tuesday, November the 17th here on the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and start off here with Dolphins defensive coordinator. Two questions for him on this edition of Drive Time. First, starting with the turnovers and how the Dolphins work to get those turnovers and capitalize on the opportunities when they get them. Well, you know, one thing is I would say, you know, we, we put a good amount of time into creating turnovers, forcing turnovers, um, scoop and score, cradle fumble, um, there's numerous different techniques and drills that these guys do. They put in a lot of time and effort at it. Um, and obviously, you know, I mean, we get, you know, we only get so many shots at it and um, for all the time, effort and energy that they put into it, I, you know, I'm sure they're, that they're gaining confidence in it. And, uh, I'm sure they're, they're thrilled and excited. You know, our guys genuinely like playing for each other and they're excited when guys make plays and, you know, it's kind of something that, you know, we stress, we, we're trying to get the ball. Uh, we work at it and, um, you know, it's showing up a little bit in the game 
And, um, you know, and, and we need to keep continuing to work at it. So it does show up for us, you know, week, week by week. On Monday, Emmanuel Ogba talked about the trust between he and the coaching staff. So I wanted to put the same question to Josh Boyer. What does trust do among the players and the coaches and how you get information communicated and relayed from the player on the field to the coach to make adjustments in game? Here's Coach Boyer on players' trust between the coaching staff and getting that information applied in game. Well, as a coach, there's there's some things that you, you can't see in real time or on the field or from the, the surface that you have at the sideline that... Uh, you know, you can go back uh, when you watch the game film, you can kind of see it. And the players, you know, they, they can give you some good information on the sideline. And, um, you know, and obviously when that's confirmed and they're giving you the correct information, if there's things that they see that they can do that will help us, uh, you know, we're all for that. So, um, you know, it's it's like, you know, it's no one man show. So, you know, everybody has input and. Um, you know, ultimately we're all trying to make sure that we're successful as a group. And if guys are seeing things and sometimes it's not even an individual thing, a guy will say, Hey, look, if I do this, this can open up this for such and such. So, um, it's, uh, it's a constant battle to gain information and you're looking for as much good information as you can possibly give. And obviously when players give you good information, uh, you know, um, you, you can use that. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, they trust us. We trust them. I, I think that's, you know, a, a good working relationship. Let's go ahead and turn out to coach Danny Crossman, who discussed the punt block and the look the Dolphins got from the Chargers punt team and how they able to execute getting Van Ginkle back there for the big block. Uh, I think number one, you know, is it something you see a lot? No, you know, a lot more times than not, you know, when you see that, that, that corner adding himself it's in a different timing sequence uh but uh you know it's just something that's you know in one of our concepts that you know like everything you have different things that you like some weeks you don't like other weeks and then the opportunity presented itself to actually make the call which is you know the hardest thing you know you don't have control over how many opportunities you're going to get in certain phases and when those things do present themselves. Let's next go ahead and hear from Dolphins offensive coordinator, Chan Gailey, who told us about the next man up mentality and the toughness of this young team and what prepares a young team to really play this role of next man up. College programs are really good now. And I think guys come to us uh, in a very good uh, frame of mind and uh, they're able to go out and play. Uh, And we shouldn't have them on the team if we don't think they can play. So, uh, I, I think this uh, next man up mentality is is exactly what we have, and we've been fortunate to have. Uh, these guys are are very strong mentally, and they want to play. They're eager, uh, and when they get the opportunity, they try to take advantage of it. So, am I surprised? No, I'm not really surprised. I'm, I'm uh, I thought that's I thought that's the way a guy should be. I think all all players should be that way. And we stay on the offensive side here with Dolphins offensive line coach Steve Marshall. And I had a chance to ask him about Ted Karras' comments that he felt the running game was at its best this past week. Here's Coach Marshall on this game, this week's running game, and if he thinks it was the best, and why or why not. Well, I mean, I don't want, you know, it's kind of hard to rank them per each game. I think each game you have a, you have a set kind of game plan for that. 
I thought we were very productive running the football this week. Um, uh, when we watched the film with, when I watched the film with the guys, uh, they're not maybe seeing it was the best, but because uh, we're some things we can certainly do better. But um, it's been a big emphasis. We wanted, we want, I think we're trending in the right direction, kind of where we're going and what we want to do. And, you know, each week we need to have, and you hear Coach Gailey talk about it all the time, we have balance in our in our offensive attack, whether it's run, throw it. If we got to throw it 50 times, we got to throw it, or we got to run it 30 times each game, that's going to be the huge. That's going to be the thing. But I thought we trended in the right direction of Eric against a very tough front. And uh, we've got a lot of work to do in that regard, but uh, we're, we're, we're trending in the right way. And speaking of the running game, how about the contributions the receivers make in the running game? Here's receivers coach Josh Grizzard on how this Dolphins receivers room takes pride in their blocking. If you don't block in that room, you're not playing. And they're going to hold themselves to that standard. Um, we see it on practice tape. We see it in the game. So if you're not going to go in there and take care of a safety or a physical corner, you're not going to get on the field. And so what Mac has done by doing that, what Jakeem has done by doing that, is ultimately helping us move the ball on the field, and that's all they care about. And um, we know that all that stuff sets up play-action passes, which they want to get the ball on that. So it's all tied in there together. Um, but it's it's a mentality, and it's those guys hold themselves accountable day in and day out. Let's go ahead and finish up with tight ends coach George Gotze, who talked a little bit about his evolving role and the culture of winning. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody in this building kind of has the same mindset. It's whatever we can do to help this team win. Uh, that's really what our culture is. It's about winning. And so, you know, when this responsibility fell on my shoulders and that's, that's what I'm doing. I mean, I don't look at it one way or the other, other than, you know, there's a job to be done for the day, for the current week and just going attacking it. And so there we have it. Lengthy edition here of the Drive Time podcast on this Tuesday, November the 17th. Looked at the film, looked at the numbers, heard from the coaches. And tomorrow on the podcast, we'll come back with the preview. Turn the page, looking forward to the Denver Broncos on the road. Maybe some cold weather. I looked it up, supposed to be 40 degrees and sunny on Sunday in Denver. So cross your fingers for that sunshine. Hopefully no snow in that game. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. The Fish Tank just dropped an episode today with Bob Baumhauer. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.